The Creek Church is a community of believers located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you would like more information about the Creek Church, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Hey, I'm Pastor Matt. This is Pastor Trinity. And uh, like Adam said, if this is your first time, if you wouldn't mind putting one of those cards in the, uh, the connect cards in the giving stations on your way out, we'd love to get some information to you. We're doing things a little different today. Um, we've been in a series called um, uh, You, you Asked Ask for, for It. it. Yeah. And boy, did we. So uh, um, yes. we're just going to try to work through quite a, several questions that we couldn't kind of lump in together, and some, some of these are kind of just random, and uh, uh, I'm glad this is the second service, um, because I think we got all the bugs worked out in the first service, and you know, we figured out those. In- I, actually, I just wish we would have videoed the first service and just like played that, <laughs> all the others, because this is just, that is, yeah. Um, anyway. But yeah, uh, I was I was a little bit disappointed in the seats though. I know, I, uh, Adam. Qu- I was, re- you know, when you watch the church channel, they have like these big white thrones. Like I don't know what this is, but <laughs> they're the, very disappointed. <laughs> we don't have the holy networks uh, uh, budget, I guess. Uh, I guess. But I, I don't like these chairs because it pushes my fat up. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sucking in, so I might pass out halfway through this message. We're off to a great start already, <laughs> aren't we? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, so we're gonna uh, we're gonna use a lot of humor because um, we know what questions are coming. Um, but uh, the, my favorite question, you know, I kicked off the last couple of weeks with this is why should I study the Bible on my own in addition to hearing you preach it? And uh, uh, I was thinking about that this week, and and one scripture came to my mind. It's Second Timothy chapter four, uh, where where Paul and Timothy, there's a charge here that's coming. It says, I charge you in the presence of God and in Christ Jesus, who is the judge, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. And, and, and we hear that a lot, um, and we stop there, but we've got to go on, because he says, reprove, rebuke, and, and exhort with complete patience and teaching, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but they will have itching ears. And they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Uh, that's, that's really where we find ourselves as a society a lot of times. We're unwilling to see, uh, well, we're unwilling to hear what Scripture has to say. So we'll go to somebody else that's going to give us an answer that we like. You know, if we don't like the answer, we just keep asking the question until we find somebody that's going to give us an answer we like. Well, and, and truth kind of gets thrown by the wayside. And so uh, with this series, it's, I want us to look at the truth. I want us to look at the Word of God and, and really kind of get into what, is, what does God say about these things? And then how do we study these things? How do we know? And I think it's important for us to be in the Word of God so that we can learn, so that we can have a filter with which to answer these questions, you know. For sure. Uh, that verse that said there, there will come a time when people don't endure sound doctrine. How do you find sound doctrine? You have to get in there and read. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Acts 17, 11. Yeah. Um, when Paul's talking to the church, he's saying, those that were in Berea, they were more noble than those that were in Thessalonica. They received the word with all readiness of mind. In other words, they, they wanted to hear the word, but they studied the scriptures daily to make sure those things were so. So Paul was commending the church at that time for checking him out. So every bit of teaching that we ever hear, we should be able, as children of God, to be able to go to the Word of God and be able to make sure that those things are so. And I think the other reason that I would add to that, I think you touched on it last week, was that uh, 
spiritual things are our food. The word of God is our food. Jesus, when he was in temptation with Satan in Matthew 4, he said, man can't live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We need to remember that we're not just physical beings that need to eat in order to sustain ourselves, but we're also spiritual beings as well. Mm. And just as we get famished or we can potentially die without eating food, the same thing can happen to our spirits. It gets so anemic, so weak, and it thirsts and it hungers for the word of God. So yeah. it's vital in our Christian walk that we're taking in a regular diet of God's word. Amen. So with that, let's get into some of these questions. Here we go. First question. Am I supposed to fast? Why or why not? Um, I, I, we're easing into this because we know what's coming. I'm already getting nervous. Can we just uh, stay on this one? Yeah, we're, we're going to spend the next 26 minutes and 44 seconds on this. Uh, uh, let's understand what fasting is and what it isn't. Um, fasting is not a hunger strike before God. It's not praying, God, I want, I, I'm asking you for this and then I'm not going to eat until you give it to me. Because um, God would answer, you like, I'll see you soon, son. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, fasting is, is the, the replacing of a physical appetite um, to feed and nurture that spiritual appetite. A lot of people fast food. Um, I believe that a lot of people need to fast Facebook. Um, that's just my personal opinion because that's, that's, that sucks up so much of our time and so much of our energy and so much, so much of our negativity. And so, yeah, I'm going to stop talking about that. But um, so yeah, are Making we supposed enemies. to fast? I know. Um, are we supposed to fast? Jesus talked about um, the principle of fasting, and uh, the disciples were trying to cast out a demon one time, and Jesus said, "This only this type of demon only comes out through prayer and fasting." Um, and so fasting is something that's a part of a spiritual discipline, mm-hmm. um, and it, it is feeding that spirit appetite. It's saying, you know, what, I'm not going to focus so much on my flesh appetite and. People ask, what should I fast? I mean, you know, TV is one that people fast. Um, I have some friends that do a tech fast. So for a certain amount of time, they're just like, I'm not going to use technology. Um, And so, and Jesus gives us instructions in Matthew 6. He does. Um, And also, the the question, am I supposed to fast? Um, Jesus was asked the question in Matthew by the Pharisees. The Pharisees came to him and they said, why don't your disciples fast? And he answers them, and he says, while the bridegroom is here, they're not fasting, but there's going to come a time when the bridegroom is taken away, and at that point, my people will fast. Mm -hmm. So fasting is definitely a principle that God desires for us to do. And like Matt said, it's something that we're denying physically because it shows our deep need for God and our pursuit of him. So it takes us completely away from the physical to where we're pursuing the spiritual. And I think it's in Acts chapter 13 where the people of God in, in there, they're desiring an answer from God on what to do. And so they're fasting, they're praying, they're seeking the Lord. And through that, you see that God does an amazing work through the life of Paul and Barnabas. But it's a difficult thing to do. I, I think the only, the third thing I would say about it is doctors tell us all the time that fasting is actually one of the most healthy things you can do to your body. And I think when they say that, we all want to punch those doctors in the face. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I need to fast it in this chair. <laughs> next. All right, next question. <laughs> Oof, man, it's, I think I need to go. We're about out of time, right? <laughs> How about I just pray for us? And, uh, now, this is... Uh, um, I don't remember what I said in the first service. It was so good. I know. So good, you should people. go back and just listen to that. 
Uh, no, it, it, here's the thing. We've got to get back to a biblical view of sex um, because in our society, we've made sex a commodity. We've made it something that, that, like we talked about with fasting, the spiritual and physical appetites, we've made it simply a physical appetite. And so we've taken it contextually out of scripture to fit our desires, our needs, and our selfishness. Um, and so we've made it a commodity. And so we've got to get back to the understanding of what sex really is. And I hear people say, well, that's, it was originally created for the procreation of mankind. I'm going to disagree with you. That's one of the effects of it. But when you read the Song of Solomon, that's a pretty erotic book right in the middle of Scripture, man. So that's not just procreation, okay? There's an enjoyment in sex. Um, and, and so we've got to get back to what, what the sex in our relationship is, and it's in the context of covenant. Like our relationship, our marriage is a covenant before God. And God has some very strong language in Scripture about our marriages and about our covenant. And, and he does so because our marriages, according to Ephesians 5, are to reflect the glory of God. That, that how I treat Heather is, should be a reflection of how Christ treats his church. And so when we talk about sex in the context of the covenant, that it's the, it's the complete giving of oneself to another. It's not just a physical act. It's not just a, a physical appetite. I mean, some, some people, when you start to get into polarities and spectrums, that, you, know, you get people that say, well, it's just a physical appetite that's natural. Well, you know, we, our kids don't desire sugar and nasty candy until we give it to them, right? Um, so it's, it's, a, it's, an, it's an issue of appetites. And so... Um, God wants that because he wants our union to be holy. And he doesn't just see sex as a physical act. He sees it as a complete spiritually and emotionally and physically giving ourselves to one another. For sure. I, I think simply uh, a lot of times we look at the different things God asks us not to do. And he's like, okay, so he's created this incredible thing that is very pleasurable. And then he asks us not to do it. You know, we, we do, exactly like Matt said, have to switch our thinking on this because God's not the cosmic killjoy. The things that he's created, remember, at the end of each day of creation, he said that these things were good. So, like he said, it's not just something for procreation. That's definitely something that's an effect of it. But that intimacy aspect of it is absolutely key. And when we decide to engage in that prior to marriage, what we're doing is we're given into an allurement of the flesh. So, for instance, most sin... If it wasn't pleasing or if it didn't look good, we, we simply wouldn't do it. There's an allure to that. So as we give ourselves to that thing, all of a sudden it becomes a very physical thing that we're doing. We end up getting married at that point, and what happens? All of a sudden that becomes a natural thing that we're doing. Sex just becomes normal. All of a sudden that allure of sin isn't there. And what's left is a deep sense of need for intimacy. And you see it a lot in women as well, that for guys it became something that, okay, it's a release, it's done, but the women continue to desire that deep intimacy. And you've built yourself up to a place where it was never intimate yeah. to begin with. And I think a lot of times women have a tendency to draw back because they're not finding that intimacy within it. They're not experiencing the oneness. Yeah, for sure. So. Okay. Um, just to add to that, I, I think there's other things that are important to look at as well. There's different consequences to it as well. There's yeah, yeah. physical consequences that happen. I think wow. you don't see any other thing in all of Scripture and in all of our life that has a tendency to completely destroy two individuals. Oh. This is one that causes an incredible, an incredible amount of pain because it is such an intimate act that occurs. So there's the physical consequences, the emotional consequences, but also it's something that pulls us away from the Lord as well. 
The very first mention of death in the Bible in Genesis was a spiritual death that God was talking about because Adam and Eve didn't physically die when that happened, but they became separated from God. And as we pursue things that are outside of the will of God, we also deviate from the Lord as well. Well, in Galatians chapter five, Mm. um, verse 19 says, now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, so, so God has some very strong things to say about sex and sexuality. Um, and he gives some context where that, that is within our marriage. You know, there's even times, Paul even talked to, um, in one of his letters, talked about the fasting of sex. That in, in your marriage, mm-hmm. if you fast sex, only do that for a short amount of time. And then, you know, so I heard a pastor say it this way, sex before marriage is a sin and no sex after marriage is a sin. So I don't That's know. Good. I'm just trying to lighten it up a little. How about the next question? Well, let me say one last thing about it. Um, and I want to say this really to a lot of the younger girls that are here, younger guys that are here. Um, we have a tendency to equate in our society the giving of yourself completely is love, which is true. But a lot of times you hear the echoes of, well, if, if you loved me, you would do this. And all that happens prior to marriage. There's a story in 2 Samuel chapter 13 about two of David's kids. One was uh, through the wife of one. His name was Amnon. The other one was a daughter that was born through a different wife. Her name was Tamar. And as you read the story, it's very interesting. I encourage you to read it once you get home. But in this, it said that there came to pass throughout time that Amnon, he started to fall in love with Tamnar. He loved her so much, it said that he became sick because she was a virgin, and it seemed like he couldn't do anything to her. So as you see, this love that is talking about is more something of lust. Amnon desired Tamar in a sexual way. So anyway, through this scheme that he creates, getting her to come over, bake him cakes, he's asking all, acting all sick, and he's not, and eventually he ends up violating her, raping her in this scene. And what happens at that point? As soon as he got that thing that he wanted, he thought that he was in love. Love was so welled up within, within him that it said this, that after that happened, that he hated her with more hate than he had loved her before. Yeah throws her out of the house, and she lives a desolate woman for the rest of her life. So it's important, young ladies, young men, to understand that love has nothing to do with sex. In fact, love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't seek its own. So never equate those two, and make sure you stay out of dangerous situations like that as well. Yeah, flee from that. Run from it. Next question. I can take this one. This one's easy. Um, yes, yeah, fornic- an easy one. Yeah, fornication would be uh, premarital, and adultery would be extramarital. Um, and uh, so uh, either way, those are sin, um, in case you don't know, um, because that falls under sexual immorality that the Bible speaks of. And sexual morality is, uh, sometimes the Greek word used for that is porneia. It's where we get our current word pornography. Um, and it's really anything that defiles the marriage bed. You can defile the marriage bed before you're married. And you can defile the marriage bed after you're married. Let's go on. Good. Hey, because I knew this one was coming. Oh, boy. Um, mm-hmm. Let me thank you for your honesty. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of the things that I've said about our church is this is a safe place. 
as a safe place to wrestle with things, as a safe place to ask questions. Um, this is a place of grace. Um, and so with this, with this question, thank you for being honest. And um, I, I think there's a couple things, um, a couple directions with this. Uh, the first thing is, um, where, where are you at with God? Um, I've talked with some of you, and some of you in this situation, you're feeling that conviction, not of the church, but the Holy Spirit saying, you know, you're, you've got all these responsibilities and you're doing these things, but you have no covenant. And so we want to get you on a covenant. Um, see, the Bible has a definition for marriage. Um, our society has created its own definition of marriage. The Bible gives a definition of marriage. Yes, it is a legal process, but it is also, most importantly, a covenant. I mean, I hear people say, well, we've lived together for so long, we're common law married. Um, or we've got a child together and we've been, so what's the difference? The difference is the covenant. It's the difference, what's the focal piece and what's the center of your marriage and what's the center of that relationship. And so my recommendation would be, let us walk with you in grace. Uh, let us walk with you um, in establishing that covenant so that you can have a healthy relationship um, both before God and with each other so that you can fulfill all the biblical responsibilities as husband and wife. Do you For sure. I, I think um, the, the verse that Matt read earlier makes this a particularly scary issue, for instance. Galatians 5, when it talks about the sins of the flesh, it says um, sexual immorality. It goes through a huge list, and each one of us in here can find ourselves somewhere in that list, whether it's anger, outbursts of wrath, whatever. But at the end of that, it says... He who practices these things. In other words, to practice something isn't to accidentally fall into something or accidentally get into something. To practice it means I'm going to continue to do this thing and I don't care what the Lord has to say about it. When we put ourselves in that position, it's a scary thing before the Lord because it says those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And if you guys were here through our Ruth study, we talked about what it meant that Jesus was the kinsman redeemer, what it meant that he came for us. And now that we have... A marriage with him, we have inheritance through him as well. So our inheritance is not just in this life, but in the life to come as well. So if you want to do some further reading on this, I definitely challenge you to read 1 John chapter 3 because it goes into issues and says, those who make a practice of sinning show that God's seed was never in them. Um, by this, you know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. He who has come to know the Father can't keep on sinning. Now, we hear that and we think, oh my gosh, I know I've sinned since I've came to know the Lord, but the word that he's using is practicing sin. It's that idea of, I don't care what God has to say about this, I'm gonna do this. But thankfully, man, God is a God of grace. God is a God of mercy. If he's moved on your heart in conviction, it's his goodness that leads us to that. Yeah. I would say definitely put that away and like Matt said, um, Seek to make a covenant with yeah. this person if you truly love them. I love this, um, 1 Corinthians 6, uh, verse 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. But I love how Paul turns this. He says, and such were some of you but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. Mm -hmm. So let, let God begin to transform you. Let God begin. You know what? Take your relationship and place it before God. 
and let him work on you in grace and let, let him lead you into that covenant, covenant and establishing that covenant. Let's right. go on, next question. I know what's coming. Uh, this one. This is probably the most difficult question that we've been asked because yeah. there's so many caveats within this that we can't even get into. But um, do you want to start off? Yeah, or? you know what? There's, there's some questions. That, thank you, Trinity. Um, <laughs> Just tossing it up there. I feel so like a spike sports it. commentator. And now over to Trinity. <laughs> what do you think about that? I just want to be, I don't remember his name. Never mind. That's a tangent. Um, but um, there's some questions that when they get asked, it, it's not going to prompt an answer. It's going to start a discussion. And I think this is one of those questions that has to start a discussion um, where it depends because there's an incredible spectrum of uh, situations that this question can be asked from. I, I think that um, it can be asked from a perspective of, uh, I want out, and so if I walk out, am I sinning against God? Um, it can be asked from the perspective of, he or she walked out, and would not reconcile, so where does that leave me? Does that leave me in sin with God? Um, and so that's where the, the, the discussion has to be open. Here, here's what I would say. Just, just like sex, where we've cheapened it and made it a commodity in our society, um, we've done the same with marriage. We've made it disposable. And we've got to get back to the, the covenantal and the scriptural foundation for sex and marriage. Um, God's heart is always reconciliation. Um, God does not like divorce. Um, I think God sees divorce as a car wreck. He knows it's gonna hurt people. And if you're on the side of wanting out um, or, or you've been walked out on, um, God always desires the best for us. And divorce isn't always the best for us. And so I, I wanna, if you're in that situation where you're on the verge, I wanna, I wanna challenge you. You've got people here. We have ministries here um, that will help you walk through that reconciliation because I believe that's God's heart. Uh, now, getting into the sin aspect of divorce, I believe this. I believe that there is sin that leads up to a divorce on one or both parties. Um, the Bible talks about divorce, and the, the Bible does give a, uh, a cause for divorce, and Jesus gives that cause that says it's for sexual immorality, mm-hmm. um, that you uh, have the, the freedom to walk away in that marriage. Um, but I, there are testimonies of marriages in our church where that's been the case, and there's been incredible grace and beauty through the reconciliation process. And great testimonies have come out of that. Yeah, there's, like Matt said, the, the one aspect that God kind of gave us an out on was, of course, in the cases of sexual immorality because there's been so much that's happened and that's such a deep, deep wound that we have. But the other one also mentioned in 1 Corinthians 7 is if you're married to an unbeliever and that unbeliever decides to part, then it's okay to let them go as well. But for, for all you young people that are thinking about getting married or about to get married or whatever, I want to remind you that um, in the Old Testament, when it's going through the law, 
God is very, very, very interested in the vows and the oaths that we make. Those are, those are a big thing to him. In fact, Jesus carries it forward in the New Testament where he says, therefore, let your yes be yes and your no's be no. Anything other than that is of sin. So we've made this covenant within marriage. And what I always want people that I'm counseling through marriage, premarital counseling to understand is what you're doing when you stand up on that platform is you're vowing yourself to a person in sickness and in death and good times and bad for richer and for poor, whatever comes against us. God, not only am I promising this person that I'm gonna stick with them, but I've got all these witnesses that are saying, awesome, yeah. good. And we're also telling the Lord, listen, through everything that comes our way, we're gonna fight and we're gonna stay together. So it's a covenant that we make with God that is a, it's a big deal. It's supposed to represent even God's covenant nature with us, how nothing should be able to get in there and rip that away because yeah. God is so graceful. He's so kind. He always desires reconciliation. But if you've been through that, there is grace. That's right. And you have people that will walk with you through that. Um, one of the things that we like to say here at the Creek is you don't have to walk through this alone and you won't walk through this alone unless you choose that. Um, and so there are people that our Me Too people, and they've been through that hurt, they've been through that tearing apart, um, and they will walk with you. And uh, what they're going to do is walk with you into the grace of God. And let God, because we're not the healers, God is the healer in that. So, next question. This one you're going to actually, we're going to actually address next week. Yes. Um, on Because uh, we've got a question about free will versus uh, the sovereignty of God, so God intervening in the lives of, of people, and so you got to come back next week for that one. Um, next one. Is abortion really murder? Tough question. Um, I, I want to I want to first of all talk about murder just for a second and what murder is. Murder is the premeditated killing of, the, of another individual. So what makes this question tough is I think that our society has um, taught that life doesn't begin until after, after birth. So with that, we have a great amount of people that have grown up in this generation feeling as though, you know, this, this life that was terminated wasn't a life, it was just a fetus. So is it premeditated once they get to a point of saying, wow, what, what, what was that? Was that actually, the, did it, was it actual killing or was it just ending of something that wasn't really life? And my view has always been that life never actually begins at conception. Life continues at conception. Um, it's two different life forms coming together, creating one. And at that moment when that's created, the entire genetic code of a human being is there mm -hmm. and that human being has to grow. Um, even still, a child is dependent on its mother, not just in the womb, but outside of the womb as well. If you stop feeding the kid, the kid's going to die as well. So they don't have their teeth yet. There's still a maturity process as they go into adulthood. So, but I think um, this question is difficult because some people have dealt with this. Some of you may have dealt with this, and you feel as though, man, did I murder? And that's an incredibly difficult question to answer. But remember, murder involves premeditation as well. But I just want to say this, with something like this, don't let the enemy come in and absolutely destroy you and wreck you. There is grace with God, and his mercies are new every morning. So don't let the enemy rob you of your faith over an issue like this. If, um, if, if, if you have been through this, um, the enemy is trying to tag you with an identity. 
and I don't want you to fall into his lies. Because I know that there are those in, in, at the creek that have, have wrestled with this and have, have been through this. And let me just say this, that um, when we come, come to Christ, um, there's forgiveness, there's grace, and there's a new identity. And so my prayer for you, if you're sitting here and this is your past, I want you to encounter the grace and the goodness of God. And that you're a new creation in Christ. The old has passed away and all things are new. Amen. And instead of the enemy telling you that your identity is a murderer, that the Holy Spirit is speaking your identity as a daughter of the Most High King, that you are forgiven, that you are redeemed, and that he's given you that new identity. Um, from our perspective, from a biblical perspective, we, we never want to terminate life. But I want you, if, if, this is, if this is you, ladies, if this is you, I want you to know that grace. I want you to know that identity that comes through the Holy Spirit. Let's go on to the next question, please. So I, I got to use the bathroom. Yeah, me too. Um, about, it takes me about three to five minutes. Okay, so. the third service, we've got to get better at this. We still have a couple minutes left, so we got to answer this. Um, here's the thing. There, there's, um, uh, there's a lot of scientific uh, study um, that's really inconclusive about the amount of estrogen, testosterone, Environmental factors, you know, a lot of things, it, it, really it boils down to um, there's, from a scientific perspective, there's inconclusive evidence. Um, there, there are people who want to keep asking that question until they get the answer they want. Um, either way, here's what, here's what we can go onto the truth of Scripture. I mean, we are born in Adam. Everyone born in Adam is born in sin. You and I are born equally dead in sin. We have a sin nature that is in us from the time we exit the womb, and that begins to grow. Um, we feed that. I mean, look at our kids. We have to teach our kids to tell the truth, not to lie to us, um, and because we all come out with this sin nature. Now, the enemy is going to be crafty. He's smart. He watches us. He pursues us. He hunts us, and he's going to look, and he's going to attack us in different ways, and so... Um, just that sin is a choice. And, and I have a sin nature, you have a sin nature, and that sin nature is going to play out in different ways. And so we, we, we have to understand that um, at the core, we get to um, how do we justify sin? Is what This question, um, as, and, and if you don't struggle with this sin, if this isn't a sin you've struggled with in your past, then there's other sins that you fill in the blank with to justify and rationalize. I, I'm, I'm a human being. I do the same thing. Well, this is just my tendency. This is just my personality. You know, we, we are told that, I mean, Paul talks about it in Romans when he says that we are born in Adam, so we are born dead. That in Adam, from the time of Adam till Christ, death reigned through Adam. But through Christ comes life. And so when we are born until we meet Christ, and here's what I hope, um, it's it's, this is the Holy Spirit's job to convict us of sin. I mean, Paul said, some of which you were, but you have been justified and sanctified, washed in the blood of Christ. 
So you are no longer these things. So we, we, we have to understand where sin is, but not rationalize and justify it. We let the Holy Spirit do his job. Our job as the church, to make Jesus clear and to love people. Every person who walks through those doors. Yeah, I think we get a tendency... Um, we read like First, First Corinthians 6 where it says, be not deceived, people who practice these things won't inherit the kingdom of God and homosexuality is on that list, of course. I think it's caused the church in a lot of ways to therefore approach this subject in a, in a very unhealthy way and it's caused a lot of breakage and division within our nation. But, um, and in the church. For sure, for sure. And I, I think the, the best way we've seen a sex, sexual disease, I'm sorry, sexual immorality addressed by Jesus is in John chapter eight with the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. Jesus goes to her, he doesn't condemn her. In fact, all the people that are throwing the stones, he causes them to walk away and understand, listen, you're sinners as well. But he lifts the woman up and he says, where are your condemners? They're nowhere, neither do I, but go and sin no more. He's able to call sin what it is, but he handles in, su in such a graceful way that people throughout the entire Bible are absolutely drawn to him. Yeah. So we have Colossians 4, verse 5 and 6. says, make your best use of time towards the outsiders. In other words, those who are outside of the faith. Let your, let your speech always be gracious, but seasoned with salt, so that you know how to answer each one. We're to be grace-filled people, people of love, people of mercy, but we're also to be people yeah. of truth as well. I, I believe this. And we see this in scripture that you can love a person without condoning a sin. And you can love a person without condemning them. We are called to love and let the Holy Spirit do his job. Because here's the reality. My sin nature plays out in a different way. But it wasn't until someone explained to me who Jesus is and my need for a savior. And it wasn't those person's words that saved me. It was when the Holy Spirit began to work on my heart and say, you know what? This is keeping you. You need a relationship with the Savior. You need forgiveness. You need hope and you need grace. So let's let the Holy Spirit do his job and let's not try to take his job and throw conviction on people. Let's love people because I believe that gets us a lot, lot farther down the road. Um, that's, that's all the time we have for today, ladies and gentlemen. Um, thank you for your questions. Um, I was really hoping we'd get to some of the easier ones, um, but I don't think there are any. But I, I appreciate your heart and your honesty. Thank you for asking these questions, um, and thank you for opening up discussions. And so uh, my hope is not that you just receive answers, but you receive revelation. Because just as the Holy Spirit draws us and convicts us in sin, he leads us into all truth. And so my prayer for you with these questions is you get in the word of God and you seek and you study and you find that revelation. But I, but I also want to give that opportunity. If you've, if you've never put your faith in Christ, if you've never begun a relationship with him, maybe the Holy Spirit is drawing you into that relationship this morning. Now we've been answering questions and trying to work people through some answers and revelation, but the Holy Spirit's been working on you. And maybe, maybe, it was, maybe it wasn't anything about what we talked about, but the Holy Spirit saying, hey, I drew you here because I, I want a relationship with you. And so I'm, I'm, I want to extend that invitation for the grace of God 
to wash your life and cover your life. I'm gonna pray for us. And if that's, if that's where your heart is, then I'm, I'm just gonna pray that you would just extend that, that invitation to Jesus, say, to, just to be my Lord, my Savior. Give me a new identity. Take away the enemy's identity that he's placing on my life and let me live in the identity that you have for me. And, um, and I just pray that you walk in the revelation and you walk in the wisdom of God with this. You have anything else to say? I got nothing more to awesome. say about that. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Father, we love you. We thank you for this time. God, I thank you for the heart and the honesty in these questions. And God, I thank you for your word um, so that we don't just um, throw away truth and throw away doctrine to find answers that suit our, ourselves. I just pray that you continue to draw us into your heart and into the revelation that comes through the truth of your word. God, for those in this room that have been affected by even the sins that we discussed this morning, I pray you give them grace. I pray you give them pray you give them the clarity, God, to look past all the stuff and just look to you and say, Father, I need your grace. I need your help. I need your hope. God, if there's anyone in this room that has never put their faith in you, begun a relationship with you through Jesus, I pray that you give them the clarity in them the courage just to just to call out to you and say, Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm asking you to make me new. I'm asking you to save me. I'm asking you to bring me life that is truly life. I'm asking you to help me overcome and fight the sin nature, the identity that the enemy places on me. And Father, I just pray that we become people who pursue you with passion, desire to see revelation in our lives. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Creek Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Thank you.